Well, good morning. You know, if we've not met yet, my name is Ken, and I am so excited to be with everybody this morning. Um, and those that are watching us today online, uh, welcome uh, to this place, uh, the beloved Crosswinds Church. I, I, um, actually, I have the wrong sermon up here. <laughs> so we'll have to get the right one up here. Um, but I am excited to be with you. Uh, <laughs> I usually start that way. Anyways, um, let me uh, make sure. Well, we, we, we don't have it. <laughs> so I'm going to go off the cuff. So can you flip to the next, uh, leave, leave that slide up there. Um, actually, we'll just start. Just my Bible's in there, so I'm going to need the verses. They're there. Today we're, we're, we're um, doing things a little bit different here at Crosswinds. Uh, we are, um, you know, sitting at tables. And if you've been to a, another church somewhere, you, you may feel this is a little bit strange or, or, or different. And actually, it's not really strange or, or, or different. It's just maybe different to you. In the early church, people would have met house to house at their tables, having the Lord's Supper, um, sharing with families. If you read in Acts chapter 2, you will, you will see how people, um, you know, kind of got together and uh, uh, shared in the Lord's Supper together as families. And, and, and I want you to think of each person at every table as a family leader who's there to serve um, the family with the bread and with the juice. Um, it, it's okay to, to, to do things a little bit different. There's, there's something that kind of happens within um, churches that the traditions start, start to take over. The reason we actually started doing this uh, Lord's Supper this way was because during the pandemic, we found that people were like in tunnel vision. They were sitting watching the stage, or they were used to watching at home. They were looking through this little band through the mask, and, and nobody was interacting together anymore. And that, that, that's really not what the Lord's Supper is about. It's about remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and also about the community of believers coming together. So we, we started sitting around at tables to, um, to, to get that going again, get people talking and interacting, and, and, that, and we kind of liked it. But what would happen is if we, if we kept doing it this way, in about five or six years, people would think, well, this is the way you have to do Lord's Supper. It would, it would become a tradition. That's what happens in the church. That, oh, we have to sit at tables. And we don't do this every time we do Lord's Supper, but we, we try to mix things up. Um, to, and, and, but the main thing is to um, uh, express the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, not whether we come forward up here or whether we, we, we sit as a table. Um, we need to do things the way God ordained them to be done. And God has ordained two things for us. He's, he's ordained um, the Lord's Supper and baptism, which we get to celebrate today with uh, Peyton and Linda and Kaylee, I think is over there, and uh, Tatiana. We have four ladies coming forward as, uh, and, and to do baptism. Now, different churches may practice things differently, but what's important is to accurately express saving faith in Jesus Christ and also that unity with the family of believers. 
Um, and so that's why we, we sometimes change things up. But we don't ever change the, the message. Um, see, there's the how and, and there's the why. How we do something and, and, and the why. Um, and what's more important is the why, not the how. Uh, today's message is why baptize? Because it's often unclear in churches why we're baptizing people. Um, we tend to get caught up in the how. Some people sprinkle, some people dunk, some people do different things. But, but friends, the why is what's really important. And, and that's what I want to talk about. That. See, Jesus commanded us to do this. He commanded us that in, in the Great Commission. All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, it's very clear to all the churches that he commanded us to baptize. And um, but still, there's a lot of confusion and, and sometimes conflict between the churches about the how. And, and, and some of that confusion actually comes from what I was talking about before, our, our traditions. At Crosswinds, we, we believe and we practice something called sola scriptura. That means that scripture alone is our highest authority. Why we do anything around here is because the scriptures tell us to do it. Actually, as the pastor here, I am not the leader of this church. The Bible is the leader of this church. The scriptures, God's word, is what leads us. And you know why? Because I'm fallible. Just ask my wife. I'm, I'm very fallible. I, I, I make mistakes. Uh, can we get an amen? Right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and, and we know that's true, right? The Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It's, that's all. That's, that's everybody. Um, all men, all women, sin. And, and I grew up Catholic, um, and many from this area did as well. And in the Catholic Church, the, the authority is a little bit different. It, it, it's the leadership and what they call holy tradition and the scriptures. That's what they consider to be infallible. While we consider the God, word of God to be what is infallible because I know I'm fallible, so I understand other leaders could be fallible. Now, tradition isn't a bad thing, but it's often rooted in the how. And, and sometimes we get the why actually gets lost because we're focused on the how. Sometimes the meaning of the why actually can get changed. From a purely scriptural point of view, baptism has four elements. If we could flip to that slide. There's, there's water, and in the name of the Trinity, by immersion, and after repentance and faith in Christ. Now, most churches uh, agree on that those four scriptural elements are important. But some of them only practice two of those. That's what I want to talk about today. And, and we're Denominations tend to disagree is on, on the second two. In the case of the Catholic Church, there is water, and it, it's done in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they practice something called pedo-baptism, or the baptism of infants. And since infants are, are not able to repent and believe, some of the meaning gets lost. Also, 
the meaning of immersion is lost because it's not really practicable to dunk an infant <laughs> underwater. It probably causes trouble to do that. And, 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 uh, or it's not safe. Have you ever watched the YouTube videos of baptisms gone bad? You don't want to do that with a child. So um, you want to be careful. Uh, so now Catholics are not the only ones that practice pedo baptism. So do other Protestant denominations like Lutherans and Presbyterians and Anglicans and Episcopals and, and Dutch Reform. And, and many of these denominations actually believe in their authority being sola scriptura, but for purely practical reasons and tradition, they practice infant baptism. So again, repentance and belief of the individual is lost because babies are too young to understand the meaning of repentance and baptism. And also immersion is lost, and there's deep meaning in that. Now, Protestants who believe in sola scriptura do not believe that the water washes away sin, that ceremonially that the water washes away sin. They, they believe scripture teaches only by faith can sin be removed. The Bible says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not from yourself, it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. The work of putting water on somebody, no matter how many, do, how many times you do it, or, or by sprinkling, or immersion, it doesn't really matter. The water itself has no power to save. There's no power to save in the, in the water. Salvation is by grace through faith alone. You know, Protestant churches who practice a, a pedo-baptism don't believe that the washing saves. Instead, they see it as a, a covenant that the parents are making to raise the child in the faith. The, and the parents' faith somehow covers the child until they repent and believe. And these practices are part of some Protestant churches and, and the Catholic Church, but you know where they're not part of is Scripture. They're not in the Scriptures. The position or teaching of, the, uh, of this church is what we call credo-baptism. Credo means I believe first, and then I am baptized. We, we don't baptize infants because we believe some of the why or meaning of the gospel is lost if we do that. So, and also I want to say very clearly, I, I, I don't believe, and we don't believe, if you practice baptism another way, you are somehow less of a believer or a disciple of Jesus. We, we don't believe that. Because what makes us united as Christians is our salvation by grace through faith in what Jesus did for us in his death, burial, and resurrection. But I, I, I do think uh, that some meaning is lost. Now, um, The other practices can hide. They can confuse. And sometimes I've even seen keep people from understanding the why or, or the nature of their salvation and where it comes from. Uh, for, for example, the, the Catholic Church calls their baptisms a sacrament. Well, well, the word sacrament means to impart divine grace, to save. And I believe that and confuses the most important issue of our faith, how we are justified before a holy God. The word justified means 
when God forgives us and declares us not guilty of our sin. I like to remember it this way, just as if I'd never sinned. And the Bible says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Romans 5.1. And it also says, yet we, we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ, not by works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one will be justified, Galatians 2.16. Now, you can find lots of verses on justification if you go through your Bible. That's just two. But, but here's what the Catholic Catechism says. It says this, uh, 1987, the grace of the Holy Spirit has the power to justify us, that is to cleanse us from our sins and to communicate to us the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ and through baptism. And, and I agree partially with this statement on justification until it adds at the end and baptism as a requirement for salvation. The Bible says that we are saved by grace through faith, not faith, through baptism. And that is according to the full counsel of Scripture. If you have a Catholic Bible or a, a, a regular Bible, the same books that we would talk about justification in are, are in both. And, and so the, the, the full counsel of Scripture talks about justification by faith. None of those Scriptures, actually just one, link baptism to our justification. So Catholics tend to build their doctrine on, on Mark 16, 6. This is the one that, that, that's a little bit questionable. It says, whoever believes and is baptized is saved. And that does seem to link baptism with salvation. Uh, the Great Commission is, is also sometimes used as defense for credo or for pedo baptism in, in their literature. But, it, but if you notice, there's a comment at the end of that verse. So go to the next slide. And it says this in full. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And so the emphasis is on belief, not on baptism, even in that verse. And, and if you look in your Bibles, you'll see that even the verses that are there, if we look at ancient manuscripts, some of uh, the earliest ancient manuscripts, those verses are not there. So... Um, it's kind of a, a strange verse to, 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 to work with. Um, so again, we believe belief is what nece is necessary to save us from condemnation, not baptism. Baptism is a wonderful expression or, or demonstration of faith, but it's not the agent that saves us. And, and, and why is that distinction important? You're probably thinking, Ken, you're getting kind of theologically nerdy here. Um, but, but it is important. It, it's, it's, it's critically important because many maybe believe that they are saved because they've been washed with water and they haven't believed. They're not saved. They're actually in peril because they believe what actually, they have not believed in what actually saves them the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. I mean, if, if I had the cure for cancer and, 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 and I gave out something else and said it was a cure for cancer, that would not be good, would it? 
if I gave somebody a placebo and they were hoping for a cure? I mean, the answer to eternal life is to believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Not in the water. None of the recorded baptisms in the Bible are of infants. And, and, and I believe this became a tradition in the church because believing parents were concerned about the salvation of their infants. And, and baptism became like an insurance policy to protect your kids. And there's nothing wrong with doing this ceremony other than it does not justify someone without faith according to the scriptures. You know, the Protestant Reformation um, stood on the doctrine of justification by faith alone. So the, the Protestant churches do believe that, and, and, and they practice infant baptism. So they don't believe that the water saves a child. Instead, they, again, they believe it's kind of a covenant of faith with the parents that, that brings the child to salvation. But again, even that belief of, of, of pedo-baptism is muddying the waters of, of baptism. Is ultimately saying that someone else's faith or, or the, the authority of the church ceremony is, is, is what saves us. And, and those who practice it justify it in the scriptures based on the covenant of circumcision in the Old Testament. And that's a very complicated defense. defense. I'm not going to bring it to you this morning because it, it would be really deep, but I would simply respond with this. Circumcision, even in the Old Testament, was a sign of faith. It was not faith itself. The Apostle Paul said this in Galatians. Um, uh, he said, For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly await for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. And, and, and later, Paul challenges the leaders who are muddying the gospel and promoting circumcision as a necessary thing for people to believe. He, he tells them if they believe that cutting a little skin off works, they should get busy and cut the whole member off. He's very blunt. He, 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 and the reason he's so blunt is that, that their doctrine offends the, the cross of Christ. He says, those who teach such a doctrine should emasculate themselves and not spread that doctrine anymore. Why? Because it's dangerous, like the same example of giving the wrong cure to somebody with cancer. People put their trust in salvation in the wrong thing. So the tradition of pedo-baptism for Catholics and, and Protestants, again, probably arose to protect children, but ultimately, it, it, it leads people or can lead people to trust in something that is false instead of what God has said. Paul gives us this warning in Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. See, for the uh, paedo-baptism, you have to do a lot of mental gymnastics to get there in the scriptures. And in that gymnastics, we often can distract or miss and teaching why people are saved. But by the love of God that is so great that he sacrificed his very own son for us on the cross. And, and then three days later, he, he rose from the grave. 
And, and, and so parents, if you're worried about your child's salvation before they're old enough to believe, what I would tell you is simply trust in the love and mercy of God and not water. You know, King David was known as a man after God's own heart. And he wrote most of the Psalms that we enjoy reading. And in 2 Samuel 2.12, David is distraught. He's distraught because he has a baby, and, and the baby um, that he had had with Bathsheba um, through their sin was very ill and was dying. And, and David started fasting, and he started praying, and he started laying on the ground and crying out for his child, and he wouldn't eat. And then the baby died. And immediately David got up from the floor and he, he cleaned himself off and he put on lotion and he went to worship and he came home and he asked the servants to feed him and, and give him a meal. And the servants, they're, they're shocked. They say, why are you doing this? When the baby was still alive, you fasted and you cried. And now that the baby is dead, you get up and you eat food. And David's response was exactly this. He says, while the baby was still alive, I fasted and I cried. I thought, who knows, maybe the Lord will feel sorry for me and let the baby live. But now that the baby's dead, why should I fast? I can't bring him back to life. Someday, I will go to him, but he cannot come back to me. See, David trusted in the love and the mercy of God for his child, not a ceremony. He trusted in God's character. David had full confidence by faith that he and his child would be reunited again in God's kingdom because he knew God's character of love and his love towards sinners. Even a baby born in sin. To me, this is the scriptural answer for a fearful or a grieving parent concerned for their child. You know, I was once asked to go to a hospital to visit some friends of a friend of mine whose baby at delivery had died. And, and, and they were distraught. The priest had already come, but he could not bring them comfort because the baby had not been baptized. And they were so distraught, they would not even leave the hospital. And so as I'm, I'm driving to go see them, on the way to see them, the Holy Spirit reminded me of the story in 2 Samuel 12 of David. And I walked into this room and I saw this woman holding her dead baby and, and her husband feeling helpless. It was a, it was a, a sad scene. And their question was, where's the soul of my baby? And I said, well, I, I could give you my thoughts or I could imagine something or, or some kind of philosophy. But I don't think that would help you. Let me tell you what God's word says about a man who knew God, who knew his heart, David. And I told them David's story. And I, I shared the gospel with the parents because they had not yet received it, that they might believe, and they believed. And then they had confidence that they would someday go to their child. This finally gave their hearts peace, a peace that no religious tradition could ever give someone because they trusted in the love and the mercy of God. See, God's mercy for sinners is greater than ceremony. 
ceremonies are there to remind us of his mercy so we can celebrate it. I want to close my thoughts on why baptism with the the baptism of Jesus in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 3. So, so that we can obey what Paul said, did not get held captive by men's philosophy and tradition, but instead a living, live according to Christ. So let's, let's look at his baptism. It says this, And Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And, and so Jesus is our example in all things. And first we see that the Jesus came. This, this was an intentional visit to see his cousin, John the Baptist, to be baptized. I mean, Jesus intentionally went there. He, he walked on foot 150 miles to be there from Galilee to Jordan. All disciples, whether Pedo or Credo, should see it, baptism, baptism as something important to do because Jesus valued it. And, and then it says in verse 14 that John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Why did John try to prevent Jesus? Well, because Jesus didn't need to be baptized. He was sinless. And, and John's practice of baptism was different, maybe than what we practice, somewhat different, not complete. It was a precursor. It was to prepare people for Jesus through the confession of sin and, and, and repentance. Repentance means to turn from sin and, and turn to God. So I want you to look earlier in, 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 in Matthew chapter 3 and verses 5 and 6. It says this, then, Jeru then Jerusalem and all Judea and, and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So Jesus had no sin to confess, and so there was really no need for him to be baptized in John's mind. Now, because John's baptism was for sinners. But his baptism did not remove sin. That, that would be done by Jesus later. What John offered was ceremonial washing that was a place that you confessed your sin and demonstrated your repentance. See, before we can gain the kingdom of heaven, we, we must recognize our own spiritual poverty of our spirits. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Confession of our sin is a necessary part of our salvation. You can't pass that over. It's, it's part of our salvation. Baptism is, a, a, is coming publicly confessing that we have sinned against a holy God. The, the Jews actually, before that, had practiced a washing ceremony to convert Gentile sinners into the Jewish faith. But, but John's baptism was more innovative. It said that we're all sinners, both the religious, the religious Jews, and the Gentiles, and that we all needed to confess and, and repent. And, and John was even rebuking the religious people who were there that believed that they needed no confession and repentance, those that trusted falsely in their religion and in their heritage, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That word Pharisee, that was one of the groups, means separate. They intentionally separated themselves from those they considered the sinners, believing themselves to be better, and they, they would not receive John's baptism. They were, they were just there for entertainment to watch the real sinners get washed, but they did not accept 
their need to confess and to repent. You know, John said to him, he said, you brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruit in keeping with repentance and do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our fathers. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children from Abraham, for Abraham. John was the one that Jesus said was the greatest born to women. And, 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 and he rebuked all that trusted in their heritage and their religious ceremony to save them. Abraham believed God. He trusted God and was justified by faith. That's, that's what the Bible says. But they were trusting in their association with Abraham and, and the ceremony called circumcision. And, and John is, is calling on them to, because he loves them, to confess their sin and, and repent. Repentance is, is a change of heart, not a ceremony. John is, is warning them that they are in danger because they're not repenting. And he even says, even now the axe is laid at the root of the tree. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and is thrown into the fire. And because he loves them, he's warning them. God's judgment was coming for those who would not repent. And, and if the baptism you practice does not teach you or lead you to repentance, you are putting yourself and other people in danger. Baptism is the personal confession that we need a Savior. And, and, and John himself even acknowledges that in his statement that Jesus should not baptize him because he's too much of a sinner. Not like Jesus. He, he said this about Jesus. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. See, in, in their days, your feet got really dirty walking around. Somebody's sandals were full of animal junk. and all. The lowest servant was the only one that could touch him. And, 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 and basically, John the Baptist, the greatest of all, saying, compared to Jesus, he's nothing. He's a sinner. There's no pride. Those today who are going to be baptized will be baptized by sinners. Those who are unworthy, as your pastor is. Uh, I will do some of the baptisms today, but Jasmine will baptize her sister Tatiana, and Emil will baptize his daughter Kaylee. See, you don't need to be, uh, according to the Bible, a pastor or a deacon to baptize. All believers are authorized by Jesus to do it. What did Jesus say in the Great Commission? All authority has been given uh, in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. It was a, a command to all of us. Jesus authorized sinners to baptize others. And for those sinners to baptize others. Jesus makes you worthy to do it. Not a religious office or title. Emil and Jasmine were important people in leading Kaylee and Tatiana to Christ. And it's fitting to celebrate. And it's also scriptural to have them baptize them. There's a worksheet on your table. And maybe I, I asked you to play with it in the beginning and, and take a look at it. If you go through each verse on the back and read through the verses on the front and answer the three questions 
for each. And if you haven't done it, you don't have to do it now. It might take you a while. But you can do this at home. You'd be asked three questions. Who was baptized? When were they baptized? And who baptized them? And, and, and you know what you'll find? I'll give you the first answer. You'll find that there's no mention of really who baptized them. It wasn't Paul. It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't Peter. It, it's unknown. It's a disciple. See, there's no magic in who baptizes you. There's no magic juju in that person's title. What justifies you before God is your faith in Jesus Christ. You also notice when all those baptisms were done. And if you go through all of them, you'll find out they were done immediately after somebody believed. So first they believed, and then they were baptized. And you'll also see that they're all done through immersion. John is insecure at this point, and insecure about baptizing Jesus and his own worthiness to do it. But, but Jesus says this. Jesus answered him. He says, let it be so for now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he consented. I want you to notice it was Jesus' choice to be baptized. He, he was not compelled to do it by John. When parents baptize their children without their consent, they're actually being compelled either by religion or religious teachers to do something. You know, today, each of our candidates for baptism have chosen, after believing by faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, it was their choice. Baptisms, friend, is, a, is not a have-to. It's a get-to. It's not a law. And Jesus says, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Be, because Jesus had no sin, it, it was not necessary. But he said it was fitting. Why? It's, it's proper. Why? Because baptism is actually a proclamation of his gospel. John's baptism was a sign of confessing sins and turning to God through repentance. Jesus' baptism demonstrates God's solution to the problem of our sin, how God justifies us. Baptism does not wash away sin. It, it, it actually points us to what washes away our sins. In, in baptism, Jesus was immersed. Uh, the word baptism in the Bible is the word baptizo in the Greek, and it, it, um, it actually means to dip underwater. Actually, it's used sometimes to sink a ship. So we're, we're talking a lot of water to, to put something completely under. And, and, and sprinkling doesn't quite convey the same message, right? Uh, and, and the reason it's talking about that, because it's, it's, it's to represent burial. To go under the water is to be buried like Jesus was buried. All baptisms in the Bible were by immersion. And actually all the leaders of the denomination would agree on that. That it, they were done by immersion. Because being submersed best symbolizes death and burial. And it's fitting for Jesus to be baptized, not because of his sin, but because it symbolized what he would do for us. He, he would die on a cross to forgive our sins and then be buried. Burial is proof that he actually died for us. And, and when we believe by faith that he died for us, we are justified or forgiven or cleansed of our sin. Sin is removed for us. So our own baptism does 
not wash away our sin. Our faith in his baptism is actually what washes away our sin. Believing in his gospel and what he did. Our, our own baptism preaches the gospel to others. It's a, it's a testimony of what Jesus has done for us. It's fitting for those who have trusted in Jesus for their salvation, but it, it, it's not necessary for their salvation. Some may say, then why must I be baptized? If it's, if it's not necessary for my salvation, Jesus says it's fitting and fulfills all righteousness. He's not saying the baptism makes you righteous, but the baptism is a righteous act that displays the righteousness of God through the gospel to the world. It's a good thing we do. We are obeying God's command to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. What Jesus didn't command us to do was to go out and teach the law. But he commanded us to go out and spread the good news to teach grace through the gospel. The gospel is proclaimed through baptism, so we must be baptized. A, a, a Jewish priest was washed with water at age 30 before they took the office of priest. Jesus' baptism happened when he was about 30 at the beginning of his ministry. Jesus is our great high priest who was immersed by John. The Bible actually says that all believers are a kingdom of priests. And so baptism is our first act of obedience as we start our ministry of the gospel as believers because we all have a ministry of the gospel. You know, there are many excuses that people use not to be baptized. I was baptized as a child. Um, uh, let me ask you, if that, that is, was that before or after you repented and believed? What was the proclamation of the gospel? Was, was there burial with Christ and, and raised to new life? Jesus not only got wet here, he was buried in the water, and then he was raised again into new life, symbolizing or foreshadowing his resurrection. In, in baptism, by faith, we are believing we will be resurrected with him. Jesus allowed himself to be baptized because he was willing to identify himself with sinners. He was not too good for them. He identified them, even though he was not one of one. Jesus was known as a friend to sinners. He was not worried about his reputation, what, what it meant if others saw him get wet and get baptized. You know, if you're worried how you will look or, or, or the necessity of your baptism, are, are, are you identifying yourself with being holy and sinless? Because the truth is you're not. Jesus was sinless, yet he did it to show us the way to be saved. And as a believer, we submit to this act out of love for others. Jesus did that for us. When, when Jesus says, let it be so now, what he's really saying is, I will suffer this for now. That's what he's saying. Look at your King James Version. It uses those words. I'm suffering for this. Or if you look in the Greek, it, it, I will suffer this baptism right now. Jesus is willing to suffer humiliation of being identified with sinners for our sakes. Isaiah 53 says, He was numbered with the transgressors. 
yet he bore the sins of many. His reputation or what men thought of his identification did not matter to him. What mattered was saving us, saving sinners. If you refuse baptism for how you might look because you get wet or because your hair gets wet or, or, or because others would know that you've not yet been baptized or, or because you're embarrassed, then are you being obedient to what the gospel says? How can you teach and preach the gospel to others without identifying with other sinners in baptism? See, baptism first unites us in our need for him, that, that we need him, that we're not just a bunch of holy people in our religion. We need Jesus, each one of us. And verse 16 says, And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, Kathy, and coming to rest on, that's a joke in our house. She thought it was an actual dove. It's like a dove. Anyways, <laughs> descending on, we've got to listen to the word closely, though. That's the point, right? We have to. And he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove and coming to rest on him. Jesus was united with sinners going into the water, symbolizing his future death that paid the penalty for our sin on the cross. And in baptism, we are to die with him. But, but the text says he went up from the water. He came up from the grave. This is proclaiming his resurrection, that three days later after death, he will walk out of the tomb. And when you are raised from the water in baptism, it is a reminder that you will be raised with him forever. Amen? In Jesus' baptism, we are reminded that we are given a gift. The Holy Spirit descended on Jesus from heaven. And all who believe are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus actually saw it. We, we don't see it when it happens in our baptism. I've not seen that yet. But it has happened. He's foreshadowed it. it. It happens to us. And, and we can rest in the fact that the Holy Spirit now lives in us. We can trust in his promise what he said. I will be with you always to the very end of the age. Now, Jesus also instructed us to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. See, the, the Trinity is present here at Jesus' baptism. We've got Jesus, we've got the, the Father, and we have the Holy Spirit. And, and when we baptize today, we will say... Um, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Spirit reminds me of creation in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, where the Spirit hovered over the water as God created everything. And our baptism, it, it reminds us, therefore, anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has passed away, and, and behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Baptism is a celebration of our sin being put to death. It's put to death in you, in Christ. And then you rise again to new life in Christ. Our new identification with Christ unites us not to sin, for sin has died with him. It, it's, it's so much better than just washing sin away. Sin is dead, and you are made new. And behold, a voice came from heaven and said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. You see, God affirms His Son at the beginning of His ministry. You see, at the beginning, he, he confirms that He is loved. He affirms that He is pleased in Him. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus has done nothing yet from a human ministry perspective. He's just getting started. He's not healed anyone. He's not even preached a sermon. He's not even completed his ultimate mission to save us from our sins. But the Father 
is pleased. And the Father declares his love for him. In, in baptism, we celebrate God's pleasure in us by faith in his Son. Some are, choose not to be baptized because they feel that they're not worthy. That they need to clean up their lives more before they're baptized. And friends, that misses the point. We're all unworthy. We all come to the baptism identified with sinners. What does God do for sinners? He loves them. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Friends, by faith we receive his love. And, and God is also pleased in us. Not in our sin, but he's pleased in us by faith, according to Hebrews eleven six. 6. And it's, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those that seek him. In, in baptism, Jesus was affirmed by the Father to point to our affirmation by the Father, by our faith in Jesus. Here's a scriptural reality. If you're a believer, it, you're, because of your faith, when the Father sees you, he sees his son. And he is saying, this is my son or daughter in whom I'm well pleased. When I, we put our, our faith in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. It's like we're wearing a big Jesus suit all the time until we get to heaven. And, and God chooses not to look on our sin anymore, but at our faith in his son and is pleased in us. And we, friends, are now beloved. We are now dearly loved. We are justified before God, just as if I had never sinned. Beloved, don't let your misleading feelings about being unworthy keep you from the baptismal waters. Believe by faith in the love that God has for you. Believe in his pleasure in you through the cross. Be made worthy forever in Jesus Christ. One of the biggest whys of baptizing for us is to celebrate that he has chosen us to be worthy of love through his son. I invite you today to celebrate with us the baptisms of Kaylee and Tatiana and Peyton and Linda. For Jesus has done it. He has made them worthy of forgiveness and eternal life through his death, burial, and resurrection. Christian baptism celebrates this in baptism and preaches an object lesson to each of us so that we may believe by faith. Today, if you have not put your faith in what Jesus has done for you, come. Andrea's going to be over here. Jason's going to be over here. I got to get ready for the baptism, but just come to these men. Confess and repent and receive salvation. Come receive what Jesus has done for you. You will be forgiven and you will be given everlasting life by trusting in what Jesus has done for you. And then today, if, if, you, choose, if you choose to celebrate and be baptized today, it was often immediate, it would be my pleasure to baptize you. We have some extra clothes. We have towels. You know, we'll make sure you get home clean. If, if God is pushing in your heart that this is your day, then, then talk to Andrea, talk to Jason about that. You know, today, if you're a believer already, and, and maybe you're confused about it, and, and you've not been baptized, and I was, I, I was baptized as an infant in the Catholic Church. 
before faith in Jesus Christ. And I remember some brothers sat down with me and explained things to me. And I, I decided to go be baptized. So I want you to consider God's word to you today. Not tradition. I want you to consider God's word and, 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 and step forward in faith and be baptized and celebrate what Jesus has done for you and proclaim to the world his gospel. Why are we baptized? To show the world how good Jesus is. To show him that God is pleased in us. That God loves us. That we are his sons and daughters. So today, let him be pleased in you by your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Father, I thank you. Thank you so much for your word. It's always true. There's no ambiguity in your word. And, and so, Father, I just thank you that it's, it's good and it's sufficient. And, and, Father, right now, Lord, let it work through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit come down and, and touch people's hearts. And, 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 Father, help them be convicted of their sin and, and, and identify that, that they are a sinner. And, and, Father, let the Holy Spirit convict them and, and, and lead them to repent, to, to turn to you. Because the Holy Spirit convicts us of the righteous goodness of God. And so let, let the Holy Spirit convict them that, that, that they need to come to you. And, Father, I, I pray, Lord. they would would, would also be convicted that the judgment is coming without repentance and and that they would have an urgency to do this. That it is like life and death, that it's like cancer, that that they need to accept the right cure. And so, Father, I I just, I I pray that by your mercy, you would help them understand that and that they would turn and repent and receive your forgiveness and your mercy and everlasting life. Father, do a mighty work here. Make hearts new. And I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.